Hi there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers, those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who have just had a really interesting life. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right? And how their mentors, motivations and mistakes have led them to achieve the things they have. Today is the second in our series of monthly episodes on career skills to help you in the workplace, which are periodically being slotted in amongst our fantastic guests over the next few months. And this week, following on from negotiation, we are going to be discussing conflict resolution. Let's just start by saying that some degree of conflict is inevitable in every workplace. It might be something as simple as when people are working hard on a big project, they're tired and tempers start to flare, or in the longer term when those with contrasting styles or personalities start to butt up against one another. People are different and they have different ways of handling stress and pressure and from time to time some of those people may clash. You may be one of those people who looks on and squirms as you see a problem escalating. You may be a person who does actually find yourself in conflict with others, or you may be someone who runs a mile from all negative feeling and finds the whole idea of confrontation makes them feel a little bit shaky. Of the categories mentioned there, I have always fallen into the run a mile category. I hate confrontation. It makes me feel a bit sweaty and I usually roll over say something to try and pacify the other party and then spend the next 48 hours running repeat conversations in my head where I think of a pithy comeback, floor the opposition and I'm supremely confident in my own view. That literally never happens to me. So I generally end up brooding and chuntering to my husband about all the things that I should have said. This is something that I'm really working on. I still wouldn't go looking for conflict but I'm now trying to be braver about standing up for myself and becoming more confident to manage others in a conflict situation. Some people seem to be born with almost Teflon-like qualities. Nothing sticks and they brush things off and move on. I think part of this comes with age and developing a thicker skin. But for me at least, and I think most people if they're really honest, conflict is certainly something to be thought about and prepared for. Because the problem with a conflict is that quite often they sneak up on you. It's not like preparing for a meeting or a negotiation as we talked about last time. Things escalate quickly in some cases. And unless you're the kind of person who is extremely quick at thinking on their feet and has a witty retort to everything, they can really take you by surprise. And if you're on the back foot, that's when you're most likely to either not back yourself as you should or say something that you later regret. We're going to cover two areas today. Firstly, if you're a boss and you manage a team where conflict might be a problem. And secondly, what to do if you find yourself in a tricky situation at work. Some bosses have their finger completely on the pulse and know everything that's going on with their staff. Who's in whose gang? Who's going through a difficult time personally? Which two of you snogged at last year's Christmas party? Etc, etc. And others are completely blind to anything beyond the job in hand. They've got no interest in office politics and really couldn't care who's getting on or not. Likewise, as an employee, you may know the socio-political ins and outs of your office. 
You may be the office confidant that knows everything about everybody because they all tell you. Or you might not give a single shit about other people in your workplace. You just want to do your job as efficiently as possible without all the hassle and get yourself home. There's two schools of thought here, really. You probably don't want to waste your time and energy getting dragged into every tiny little nuance of people's relationships. But the reality about conflict is that it usually grows from something small. And if you bury your head in the sand with regard to the relationships between your co-workers or employees in the office, you may end up dealing with a situation that has now become a big deal when it could have been headed off at the pass with a little prior knowledge. Because the thing is, these situations fester. And if you're aware of a problem as a boss or a co-worker, chances are it's already been going on for a while. Don't sweep it under the carpet and assume that your colleagues will sort it out themselves because they probably won't. Tension in the workplace is natural, particularly if you have a large workforce with a diverse range of opinions and personalities. It's unlikely that everyone will agree all of the time, but continuing clashes affect a team's productivity and over time will slow progress on whatever goal you're heading towards. Conflict resolution can be challenging, but as a manager, it can also be incredibly rewarding, adding to your skill set and a sense of satisfaction of a problem dealt with. If you want to progress your career, whether you're a boss already or not, it is also something that you will need to get used to. As managing a team at any level will inevitably bring conflict at some point that will require your attention. If you want to be successful, get used to conflict because it will crop up in your career. We've talked a lot about discomfort on this podcast before and getting comfortable with discomfort is the key in this scenario. If you lead a team and you can't deal with conflicts within your team, it won't be long before people recognize this as a weakness in you as a leader and you end up with a fractured, disjointed group of people and poor morale. Conflict in an office affects both productivity and creativity in the short term. And in the longer term, you might end up with unhappy staff leaving, which certainly isn't good for your bottom line or your stress levels. As Mike Myatt of Forbes says, an ability to recognize conflict, understand its nature and bring about a swift and just resolution will serve you well as a leader. But the inability to do so may be your downfall. The general consensus really is that tackling conflict head on is the only way to deal with it. And the more positive and constructive you are, the more likely you are to get a good outcome. So as a boss, what can you do? Firstly, you need to know what the conflict is about. Because obvious though it sounds, you can't resolve a situation to everyone's satisfaction unless you know what the particular underlying problem is. It may be a difference in opinion with a short-term impact on a particular project, or it may be a longer-term clash that needs a bit more careful management. Either way, do a little digging from others in the office that you trust and get a bit of background before you begin. Everyone in an office environment has their own agenda, their own motivations, and understanding their, the mentality around what's in it for them is very important. Differing personalities may have differing goals, aims or objectives for themselves and grasping the undercurrent of any situation may be key to solving a dispute. Secondly, it's really important to meet with both people face to face together in one room at one time. The protagonists in a conflict will each have their own agenda and whilst it's important to hear each person's side of the story, 
you risk polarising their views even further if you don't meet them together. You also risk a he said, she said scenario where you're the go-between in the middle and nobody wants to be that. Much better to let everyone's views be aired in front of one another in a managed fashion, where you can hear the grievances in a hopefully controlled manner. It's very important for you to be calm and to set the tone of the meeting from the very beginning. Explain what's going to happen, that each of them will be allowed to speak in turn and to put their views in a concise and respectful manner. Emphasise that they will each get to speak fully, but that no one is allowed to talk over the other. Interruptions are not allowed and it's your job as the boss to enforce this. Remember that this is not the time to assign blame and it's important to keep those involved focused on the problem rather than on personal characteristics. Nobody likes a slanging match. All this means that one of your key roles is to listen. Summarise intermittently perhaps and make sure that you're clear about what each person is saying but listen carefully. There may be unsaid nuances that you hadn't previously detected. For example, if someone is having a testing time in their personal life, or if they're frustrated by a lack of opportunities in the workplace. Once both parties have finished speaking, you need to identify the main areas of agreement and disagreement to allow you to start putting together a plan on how to move forward. Make sure both of the conflictees, as it were, agree with these areas. The whole meeting will be a complete waste of time if either of them walk out and say, well, that was pointless. She didn't get what I was saying at all. If they're not happy, go back and clarify their opinions again, because it has to be clear. Often, when you really dig into a situation, the crux of it might be quite a small thing. Little niggles and frustrations accumulate into something more significant. So when you actually ask people to define their issue with another person, you may find that it's something that can be quite easily altered. But that thing needs to be spoken and it needs to be clarified. When you start researching conflict at work, there's a lot of corporate speak around blue sky thinking, reaching out, and a bundle of other phrases that I hate. But the reality is that there are two things that should come out of a meeting. Number one is to find the common ground. The politician Joe Cox, sadly no longer with us, said in her maiden speech in the UK Parliament that we have more in common than that which divides us. And even if the current levels of animosity between two co-workers may be really uncomfortable, you'd hope that they are at least aiming towards a common goal. The common ground may be personal, it may be professional, but try and define something to draw these two people together. The second point is to recognise the key areas of conflict and to formulate a plan to deal with them. If you've caught this quickly, it might be reasonably straightforward to nip it in the bud. If you're dealing with a more deep-seated problem, then tackling the small things quickly may give some initial improvement whilst you implement a plan to resolve the bigger issues. Once you've made your plan, agree to meet again to update and then follow this through. I will say that again. Follow it through. Do not start the process, then let it get swept away when you're busy. Put a date for the next meeting in the diary immediately and stick to it. Everyone is busy at work. Things get shunted to the bottom of your to-do list and there is always something more pressing, pressing happening. But this needs to be a priority. I heard a couple of very high-profile businesswomen recently saying that they schedule time to talk to each member of their team individually on a weekly basis and more frequently if they think it's required. 
It allows them to hear their concerns, manage any issues and give positive feedback regularly where it's due, as well as monitoring any ongoing situations. If you do manage people, maybe consider whether you're talking to them often enough. Remember that conflict always presents an opportunity. If you leverage it well, you may force a frank exchange of ideas or challenge existing processes or perspectives, which can open doors that you hadn't considered. Mike Myatt again says that divergent positions addressed properly can stimulate innovation and learning in ways that like minds can't even imagine. Smart leaders look for the upside in all differing opinions. I really like that. The fact that two people may hate each other, but that can still generate something positive from a working perspective. That's very powerful. Opening the lines of communication will hopefully start to heal the wounds of conflict that may exist between two co-workers, whilst remaining positive and looking for future common goals should improve a fractured relationship. But every once in a while, as a leader, you may have to deal with two people who are just so divided, so intransigent and so bitter towards one another that progress seems almost impossible. Perhaps this may happen if you've inherited a team that have been badly managed previously, or if you've been away for a while, maybe on maternity leave or sick leave, and you've returned to a total shit show. <laughs> At this point, you may want to consider an outside mediator, be that the HR department or an external consultant. But if you've exhausted the options above, the likelihood is that already one of the, at least one of the parties may be looking to move on. The reality is that people do not stay in stressful situations that make them unhappy. It's bad for mental health, and in time, that kind of stress can have physical impacts on a person too. Can you preempt this? Is there a different team or a different project within the company that might suit them more? Whilst it's important not to take sides in a conflict, gently but honestly discussing options with your team may lead one or both to accept that the current situation is unsustainable. Maybe their current role just isn't right for them. Maybe they need to change. If this happens, remember that it doesn't make you a failure as a leader if you can't solve the problem. Try as you might, you will never win them all. So, that's if you're a boss. But what if you're a member of a team and you find yourself in conflict with someone else in your company? What if you've got a crap manager that takes no interest in the happiness and satisfaction of their employees and shows little interest in trying to help you? You may be in a situation where you don't feel comfortable going to your boss. Let's be honest though, I would think carefully about your long-term prospects in a role where you can't communicate something as important as this to your manager, but that's a bit of a different matter. It's very British not to complain, stiff up a lip, keep calm and carry on and all that rubbish. And I think as women, we are probably less inclined to make a fuss or be, be branded a troublemaker than our male counterparts. But that, quite honestly, is just bullshit in this day and age. You may have decided to let a few things slide to avoid making waves. But beware letting a colleague get away with too much. Otherwise, you risk a situation to de developing into one where you feel belittled, sidelined or unappreciated at work. A female friend of mine recently received a promotion at work after impressing the directors with her performance. But another senior colleague, not himself involved in the recruitment process, has recently made it extremely plain that he thinks she is unsuitable and unqualified for the position. She's an amazing candidate and will fill the, fulfill the role brilliantly. 
but he has refused to mentor her or teach her and has intermittently been very recalcitrant, petulant and unfriendly. He has at times made my friend's life very difficult over the past 12 months, publicly undermining her and at times just being downright rude. Unsurprisingly, she has found this a struggle as I think most of us would. It's wearing and tiring constantly trying to prove yourself, to be on tenterhooks about the next time a small flash of conflict may come your way. They're like small burns on a regular basis. There's no major third-degree trauma, but you're constantly trying to heal from the last time you were slightly wounded. I'm going to use this as an example to talk about your options in a situation like this. The details may be different, and it may be another woman rather than a man that you encounter, but we're going to talk about three possible ways to consider dealing with conflict if you find yourself in a tricky situation. The first one is the DIY option. Do it yourself. If you have the confidence to address the situation head on, then this can be a great first step. As we discussed in the negotiation podcast, planning what you're going to say is a vital point in this process so that you're prepared. Ask to speak to the person involved. Set out your stall clearly and calmly and explain how their behaviour is impacting you, why you feel it is unjustified and what you propose that the two of you can do together to improve the situation. Sometimes just calling out the bad behaviour of someone who is behaving poorly is enough to get them to stop. Those with a tendency to wish to dominate others by employing bullish or at times bullying tactics are often not used to being challenged. They rely on the capacity of others to be cowed under pressure in order to get what they want. And if you stand up to them, you may find that things go your way more easily than anticipated. Sometimes showing a little grit and determination sets the boundaries and you show that you are a person to be respected. It goes without saying that this should be done in a respectful, polite manner. You will rarely achieve what you want via a slagging match or an argument. But if you're feeling brave, then this might be a good place to start. Number two is the help others option. I mentioned earlier that a lot of workplaces seem to have a person that others turn to who know the ins and outs of the office. The office gossip is one such person and probably not the one you want to be approaching here unless you really trust them. But often in my experience, a good workplace also possesses at least one very warm, very caring person who shows no judgment and is therefore always receptive to listening to fellow members of his or her team. In my case, I've been fortunate to work with some really, really fabulous veterinary nurses over the years many of whom have managed other nurses or administrative staff themselves, but also act as a sounding board for the veterinarians, often knowing the personal and professional minutiae of many of the vets' lives via time spent in surgery, on the road, or looking after patients late at night. If you are lucky to have someone like this in your workplace, whether they're older or younger, male or female, with whom you can discuss a problem, This may be a more attractive option than taking on the conflict yourself immediately or going to your boss. Said friend I just mentioned has been fortunate to have a colleague like this in her office who has recognised what's going on and and who has advocated on her behalf. He has backed her, championed her and stood up for her where necessary. Do you have an ally somewhere that could take that role for you if needs be? They may spontaneously see that you need help. But if not, perhaps consider approaching them quietly and explaining the situation. If nothing else, they may be able to provide some context or advice 
They may know others who have been in the same boat, or they may be able to offer help in a different practical way. Number three is the go to your boss option. I can completely understand that for some people, going to your boss to voice your displeasure at the behavior of another person towards you will be a big deal and may seem like a significant escalation. Nobody wants to be accused of telling tales, running to mummy or daddy, or being a brown noser, or any of the other cruel phrases that might be bandied about in such a scenario. If you've got a great manager, they should have seen the storm coming and headed it off. But that is a luxury, not a given. So if you're really struggling, then sitting down and having an open conversation is the best way to kick off facilitating a fix. Think of it this way. You're not reporting a grievance, you're looking for a solution to improve your own performance and that of the whole team, and your boss should understand that. Frame your grievances in as positive a manner as you can, difficult though that may be, by explaining how the situation is limiting your own growth and contribution. If your boss doesn't suggest a meeting to discuss the situation with the other party, ask for one, so that you can get things out in the open, hopefully clear the air, and then move forward. It may require you to drive things if your manager is a little disinterested, although really they should be interested when their staff are telling them that there's a problem. So don't be too afraid. Prepare well and be calm, collected and well-reasoned. And hopefully you won't have too much trouble. Hopefully you might find something of use in there in your own situation. Most importantly of all, remember that you're not alone And you're always welcome to get in touch if you're struggling with something. We are here for you, as are many, many other like-minded women out there. If you've been in a conflict situation at work, I'd also really love to hear from you. How did it go when you made attempts to resolve things? Have you successfully patched things up with a colleague with whom you now have a fantastic relationship? And if so, how did you do that? Or alternatively, let me know your horror stories. I'm sure there'll be a few around. I'll share any corkers, good or bad, that I receive on future episodes of the podcast. So send them to me at smashingtheceiling at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. I'll look forward to reading them. That's it for this episode, but join us again next week when I'll be chatting to Sarah Swan, a psychologist specialising in psychosis and disorders of the mind. She is fascinating. As ever, if you've got any comments, suggestions or feedback, do drop me a line. I love to hear from you. Please subscribe if you haven't already and feel free to leave us a nice review on your favorite podcast site as it helps others to find us. But more importantly, if you enjoyed it, spread the word as word of mouth is still the most powerful form of advertising. You can follow us on Twitter at Smashing Ceiling and on Instagram at Smashing The Ceiling and we'll hopefully see you next time.